This week in the parish of bourses and market structure, ICE launch a new LNG suite. Bursa Kuwait profits soar as DFM leads the pack in Q3 results so far. LSEG gets UK antitrust clearance to buy Quantile and ESMA cuts off Indian CCP recognition while Eurex throw cash in an attempt to move Euro clearing away from multi-currency global London to Euro parochial Frankfurt. And wild excitement for some of us, well, certainly the host of this podcast, as the Gibraltar Financial Services Commission approves the acquisition of Gibraltar Stock Exchange by Valerium, including the new management team. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, episode 168. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the weekend market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, The Unique Guide to the Bourse Business, sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. The European Securities and Markets Authority, ESMA, have withdrawn their mutual recognition on six Indian CCPs. That stems back to the whole concept of MIFIR and indeed EMIR, more specifically the European Market Infrastructure Regulation, which allows the European Union to have a very, very, very high horse indeed as to what it decides that it's going to allow to occupy the entirely prime and unsullied territory of the Eurozone. Thus, lack of information sharing and cooperation between India and ESMA has sunk the CCP cooperation agreement for now. Australia, meanwhile, they've opened a consultation on capital market resilience, ASIC informing the market that the ASX had opened the second round of public consultations regarding market resilience in response to the ASX's market outage report published in November 2021. As you will recall, the ASX has been under the kibosh for quite some time now. Not only is the replacement of chess turning into be a complete digital asset disaster, but of course, the actual core systems haven't been functioning that well in the meantime, either. Global Brokerage Inc., formerly known as FXCM, they had the door slammed in their face this week by the US courts. No leave to appeal the summary judgment order, which of course was involved with their sudden, total, complete, and utter acute mental breakdown of the balance sheet after the Swiss National Bank decided that they weren't going to concern themselves anymore with the peg between the Swiss franc and the US dollar. China, as the headline went in Bloomberg, shows the LME there are still buyers for Russian metal. That's highly relevant pertaining to my comments last week of what is a rock-hard place repo faced by LME's simply impossible dilemma. And in this case, having a Hong Kong parent company in Hong Kong exchanges makes the Chinese market even trickier still for LME in a world where sanctions are a two-dimensional perspective depending on which side of the sanctions wall you work from. The CME, meanwhile, they've been giving some, it has to be said, fairly milk toast defense of their FCM application. 
One of the things they said was the CME won't compete with existing FCMs. Now, how does that work? Do we get a tick box in the application saying, honest governor, I never thought of using an FCM, so I'm going to use CME's brokerage house? Who knows? These things have yet to be answered. The Indonesian Stock Exchange, they've signed an MOU with Singaporean-based green fintech MVGX to explore opportunities in developing carbon markets. And was election week for the Arab Federation of Capital Markets. One headline there, EGX have been elected to the board. Then again, it might have been quite a bit of egg on the face had the new Egyptian exchange chairman Rami El Dukani not been elected to the board of AFCM, given that until he was appointed chairman of the Egyptian exchange, he was, of course, the man running the Arab Federation of Capital Markets. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com, with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or, if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome, wherever you find this podcast. In results this week, it was a frantic week, way, way beyond busy for results in the parish. All the details were in Exchange Invest Daily. The newsletter no person can afford to be without in capital markets and market structure. For the sake of this podcast, let's just peruse a couple of edited highlights. Glittering stars of the week's results were Bursa Kuwait and DFM in Dubai, while the S&P and CME were not quite so illustrious, but still moving forward. All of those results, as I said just now, can be found every day in Exchange Invest Daily. To which end, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not a subscriber to Exchange Invest Daily, how on earth do you keep up with what's happening in the business of bourses? You need a subscription to Exchange Invest, the exchange of information. DM us on any of our social media channels and we'll get you set up with a 30-day free trial. New markets this week. Gosh, rather a busy week all round for new markets once again. Great to see for the parish. The Hong Kong Exchange, they announced the launch of their new international carbon marketplace. Equally, Trinidad and Tobago are looking to expand in a fashion akin to the Jamaican Stock Exchange, their SME sector listings. And a whole new market. The Ethiopians are establishing their own stock exchange, albeit it's going to take a couple of years before the Ethiopian Securities Exchange, a joint project between the country's giant new sovereign wealth fund Ethiopia Invest Holdings, the Ministry of Finance and Nairobi-based financial sector Deepening Africa comes to fruition. Always a delight to see new markets coming to existence, even if we have to wait two years for the Ethiopian exchange. Oh well, I suppose that's only T plus 730 more sleeps or thereabouts. Finally this week in new markets, delighted to see that Loop FX has launched its pilot phase. That's a groundbreaking peer-to-peer foreign exchange trading venue run by the Scotsman Blair Hawthorne. Deal news this week Caplight secured $3 million in strategic investment from Deutsche Börse to expand derivatives trading and hedging on private company shares. The UK antitrust watchdog has cleared the London Stock Exchange's takeover of Quantile, which will be welcomed by all parties concerned. And Valerian PLC, which is listed on Aquis, they have been approved to acquire the Gibraltar Stock Exchange. Excellent news as the GFSC issues the change of control permission for Gibraltar Stock Exchange to become part of Valerian PLC, where, of course, PLY, the host of this podcast, is executive director. 
One tiny accounting kerfuffle this week. ICE have taken a $1.1 billion write-down for their stake in the crypto platform Backed. Sadly, Backed appears to be lost at sea. It's not a cringeworthy entity with massive issues like Coinbase, but it does appear to have rather lost focus and momentum, let alone something like 80% of its original stock value from IPO. Of course, stocks crashing and things like that are one of those pointers that you can always remember because it's a victory or death world out there. Victory or death being also the title of my most recent book, Blockchain Cryptocurrency and the Fintech World being the subtitle to help you understand how technology is affecting life and markets. This is the book to help you. Victory or Death is published by DV Books and is distributed by Ingram Worldwide. While you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, check out our live stream. Tuesday, 6pm London time, 1 o'clock New York time, the IPO vid live show. You can catch the back episodes on LinkedIn and YouTube via IPO-vid. Our next show coming up is going to be Dr. Elliot Banks. He's going to be discussing BMLL's liquidity maps, the Data Magna Carta. Cryptoland this week, Hong Kong, they're doing a reverse face. The Voltaface involves exploring the legalizing of retail crypto trading, which is entirely 180% opposed to the previous ban. Meanwhile, the CEO of Binance, during the course of the week when he invested $500 million in the takeover of Twitter, has said support for free speech is the reason he invested in Twitter. Well said by CZ of Binance. Meanwhile, the Coinbase CEO, Brian Armstrong, is planning to sell 2% of his stock in the company to fund $54 million worth of scientific research to help solve some of the biggest challenges in the world. Please, no jokes at the back about Brian Armstrong's hoping to live to 500 in order to see his stock return to its post-IPO highs. Please. Product news this week, Eurex have launched a big new incentive program for euro clearing in the European Union. The new program is designed to incentivize clients running active accounts in the EU. It involves OTC interest rate swaps, overnight index swaps, basis swaps, zero coupon inflation swaps. You get the gist, swaps of all kinds at Eurex clearing. In 2023, it's going to be feasible to qualify for an incentive reward up to $50,000. Based on Eurex's current eligible client base, that incentive pool is expected to get as high as 25 million euros. At the same time then came the sanguine words from Reuters. LSEG has repeatedly said that there has been no material shift in volumes from London to Frankfurt and some 75% of euro interest rate swaps are traded among non-EU counterparts in any case. Cash for clearing is the thing these days, it seems, as clearly other EU incentives have yet to make the breakthrough that was supposed to leave a post-Brexit city of London in rubble. The euro-clearing kerfuffle, which was supposed to empty the city of London by Christmas, has instead turned into a tedious trench war with little or no movement, but occasional charges. All these charges have proven futile to date, and DB is unable to turn the narrative. How can it? London has multi-currency offsets. DB1 is trapped in an EU which has proven itself eagerly protectionist. Whether you like or loathe the EU, the core risk decision is don't put collateral in places where the regulators are protectionist. Meanwhile, as the European Union has also been trying to protect the gas price by effectively killing the market, ICE have 
proceeded with aplomb, and they've launched a vast new portfolio of LNG contracts right across the continent of Europe. ICE are launching European LNG features for Northwest and Southwest Europe and three supporting French, German and Italian natural gas futures. Great innovation on top of the TTF benchmark, which despite accusations from the European Union, remains a fair and reasonable, and indeed one has to say, indubitably balanced market for European Union gas. Other good news for ICE this week. ICE bonds have received approval for expansion in Canada. Excellent progress as the silent performer of the bond business, ICE TMC, move forward while Leviathan, like TradeWeb and Market Access are eagerly beating their chests with their achievements. The BIS survey is out. They've dripped a bit of it so far this week. The triennial survey shows global foreign exchange trading average $7.5 trillion a day in April 2022. OTC interest rate derivatives averaged $5.2 trillion. Some word saying that London has lost some ground there. Certainly it's no longer, it seems, the majority of business in the entire world it's only at 40-something percent, which rather makes you wonder what on earth the rest of those 190-something United Nations nations are actually getting up to in their foreign exchange markets, despite the fact that many in London are saying, oh, once again, it's the end of the City of London. We think not. Finally, in product news this week, happy birthday at 14 years of age. Bitcoin is battered but battle-tested. Round the headline in Nerd Wallet, we ran a simple comment and outmoded. Technology news this week. TSX's tech issues broke out during the course of a 40-minute outage across three of the Toronto-Montreal Exchange stock exchanges, stalling equity trading in Canada, leaving some investors frustrated and others refusing to place orders even after the market reopened, according to Bloomberg. Rather unfortunate to see at all points in time, but nonetheless, it's a rare, rare event these days. Indeed, the Canadian press ran a look at recent stock exchange outages around the world, and they seem to be sorely pressed to find many of them going back even five, six, seven years. The point, of course, is here how incredible it was. The COVID crisis was the parish of exchange's finest hour of multi-month uptime, while cats everywhere were at home strolling across the exchange tech team's laptops. Exchange Invest, the newsletter, has consistently championed this excellent and we continue to be delighted that so many exchanges manage so much uptime that therefore, unfortunately, when things go a little bit pear-shaped somewhere like Toronto, it happens to hit the headlines. Aquas Exchange, they've hit the headlines for all the good reasons. Quest DB has been selected by them to monitor their institutional exchanges. And finally this week, OpenFin. They announced uh, remarkably good numbers for the first half of the year, plus some new investors. One investor in particular, very, very interesting, InQtel. IQT. That's a not-for-profit strategic investor serving the US intelligence and national security community and its allies. In other words, it's basically the CIA's private venture fund. Very, very interesting investor in QT. The Q is a deliberate 007 reference, by the way. IQT exists to invest for stuff that will be useful to the CIA and the US intelligence community and other allies around the world. Moreover, here's a stunning statistic. On average, every dollar invested by IQT attracts 
1515 outside dollars of investment. Regulation news this week. ASIC in Australia has found shortcomings in the wholesale market practices in Australia, while in America, good grief, the headlines seem to have been, well, pretty cloudy for Gary Gensler. Gary Gensler made one interesting point. He said crypto trading is centralised despite the founding principles. At the same time, he was backing his controversial clawback rule. He was drawing attention for his bad performance review. And indeed, even The Economist was driven to write, can Gary Gensler solve every problem in American finance? As we noted in Exchange Invest at the time, just like The Economist, the magazine some people still read to remain pleasantly misinformed about the world, Gary Gensler can't even identify every problem in American finance, let alone resolve them. Career paths this week. Q Yong is serving as the chairman of the Shanghai Stock Exchange. Tomasz Dombrowski becomes an interesting trivia question for future pub quizzes on the parish of exchanges. He resigned as a member of the Warsaw Stock Exchange Management Board before actually taking up his position. He was only announced on July the 1st. He was going to have responsibility for IT, amongst other functions on the board. And it would appear Mr Dombrowski has a much better offer looming. Elsewhere, Bucharest Bourse, their CEO, Adrian Tanaze, has had his contract extended by another year. And in a somewhat cloudy move, Stefan Lutz has been appointed interim CEO of BitMEX after CEO Alexander Hopner left the business with immediate effect. That's another rapid crypto departure as the former Börse Stuttgart boss, Hopner, departs BitMEX with incredible alacrity and indeed had only joined in 2020. Well, I suppose that's crypto, so therefore we should probably be counting in dog years or something like that. So lest you missed it, amidst the seriously horrific Russian invasion of Ukraine that has led to a breakdown of peace talks between, well, this was probably your second guess, best, ladies and gentlemen, Russia and Japan aiming to end the Second World War. Apparently, Japan's tough stance against Russia's invasion has angered the Putin regime, so they've stomped out of talks to end, well, the war that we all thought had ended somewhere around the middle of 1945. Elsewhere, in the thank goodness someone is saying it department, plaudits too, former Goldman Sachs boss Lloyd Blankfein. We lived through the Cuban Missile Crisis when we were stopping Soviet ships in international water. These are really the most polarised times. I was around in 1968 when there were assassinations of public figures, when kids were blowing up draft centres and the National Guard was shooting on campuses. We got through that. We'll get through this. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young. Thank you for listening to this 168th Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast. We'll be back next week for number 169. In the meantime, I wish you a great week in blockchain, life and markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our program, which is for entertainment purposes only.
The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.